If you're like the kid that is looking in the window of a rich family that's opening gifts and you didn't get any, knock on the door. Actually, just come on in. The Father sings over you too. He wants you to be aware of His love, be aware of His presence, and be aware of His call to follow Him in your life. We have Samantha Reynolds here today who's answered the call to follow Jesus, and she's going to be baptized. Samantha, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that he's risen from the dead? Have you given him your life? Samantha Reynolds, on the confession of your faith and in obedience to the Bible, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit, planted in the likeness of His death, rising to walk in the newness of life. Lord, fill Samantha to overflowing with your spirit. Use her mightily for your glory. Make your calling on her life loud and clear, we pray. In Jesus' name. I am under no illusions, brothers and sisters, that my message today will be an easy one to swallow, much less to follow. But when the Father lays it on our hearts to speak the truth, you're messing with fire if you choose to go near. Now, there's actually a bucket full of truths he's laid on my heart this morning, but y'all, don't worry. I want to get the Sunday supper just as bad as you do. (laughs) We're just going to talk about one. What you and me and God got to talk about this Sunday morning is a crazy little thing called love. Now, when somebody loves you, there ain't a thing easier than loving them back, amen? And there ain't a thing easier than loving one of our own either. Your mama and daddy, your brothers and sisters, your children, your friends. We love the people God gives us, don't we? That's because it's easy. But what about when it's not easy? What about a stranger or someone who ain't exactly sweetness and light? What if it's somebody who just plain don't like you? You love him anyway. (laughs) Do we? Really? Do we really? I'm not sure I do. Especially when I can feel white eyes burning through my black skin just because of that black skin. And a a, a certain word that seems to be on his mind. I don't feel like loving that man. You don't either, do you? 
about the last thing in my heart in that moment is loving that man. And I don't know about you, but it sure seems that when God has something to teach me, he brings me a teacher. I don't always like the lesson. And I usually don't like being taught. We've been speaking on love for this entire year. It's fine to preach about it. It's fine to say amen to it. But sometimes it's another thing to live it out, isn't it? Today's my concluding of the series, Love Is, from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Love never fails. Can we say that? But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I'd like to say two things about the gifts of the Spirit. Some have said, because verse 10 says, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. They say that means because the Bible is here, we now no longer need the gifts of the Spirit. Who's heard that taught? The Bible is perfect. We now have it. We no longer need tongues or prophecy or words of knowledge. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched between two chapters talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And this is a prophecy right here in the middle of these two chapters on the gifts of the Spirit telling us that these things will be done away with when the Bible is here. Well, I for one believe that the Bible is perfect, but I do not believe that perfection has come. I think that verse could easily be cross-referenced with 1 John 3, 2, which says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's perfection. Are there any perfect people in the house? No, but we are on our way to be with the one or he's on his way here, hopefully, sooner than we go to him, to bring perfection to us. And so even though the Scriptures are perfect in their context, rightly applied and rightly interpreted and correctly understood, perfection still has not come. The Bible tells us of the day when perfection comes. Also, I'd like to say something else about the gifts of the Spirit. It says that we prophesy in part, and we know in part. The gifts of the Spirit are wonderful, but they're not perfect in that they don't give the whole picture. If someone gives you a word for your life, it's going to generate more questions than answers. Prophecy is to edify us, to exhort us, to comfort us, to spur us onward to godly things. But when some moron tells you Jesus is coming, I prophesy on October the 12th, 2011, don't believe him. He's wrong. We prophesy in part. Nobody knows all the answers, but thank God for the answers he gets us. Amen? I love pumpkin pie, and I'm grateful for the piece of pie I get. But one day, we're going to get the whole pie. When I was a child, verse 11, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. 
For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. I really believe this is speaking of the day that's coming when we will uh, be made like him. And when that happens, you won't need the gifts of the Spirit, for you'll be one with the Spirit. Verse 13 is our text today. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, love is greatest. Can we say that? Now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Love is the greatest. I posted a question yesterday, early in the day. How is love greater than faith and hope? I've gotten a number of answers. These are some of the answers. Daniel Guerra said, love is greater than hope because love captures the heart for faith and hope to rise within us. Plus, it was his, Jesus' love, that gave us eternal life. Brent Tharp, who's a cousin of my cousin, said, without love, there is no hope or faith. Love is what gives anything and everything its worth. The Bible says God is love. If we don't have love, we don't have God. If there is no God, there's nothing else either. God is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. No love, no God, no nothing. So love is the greatest because that is the attribute in which God identifies himself. The Bible does not say God is faith or God is hope, but God is love. Juana Brookshire, she's a Granbury resident. She wrote, God is love. When we are are in eternity with him, we won't need faith or hope, but we will be in the presence of his boundless love. Wow. No need for faith or hope in heaven, right? You don't hope you have a watch if you got one, right? Tina Michael, she said, because love inspires and creates faith and hope, love is the reason we are able to have faith. And the reason we can have hope. Without love, both would be non-existent. That reminds me of verse 7. Look at it there. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. So it's a source of hope and faith. Faith Goldheart, you remember her? She lives in Virginia now. She wrote, because without love, agape, you cannot have either one true faith or hope. When we're talking about love, we are talking about agape love. In the Greek language, there are several words for love. In English, we just have love. I love my wife. I love my children. I love ice cream. I love pumpkin pie with whipped cream. We don't have words to distinguish the kinds of love. And the word agape love is the word in which God describes himself. It's a word that 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. is unconditional, unselfish sacrificial love, the highest form of love. Diane Belanger wrote, because love was what kept Jesus on the cross. Wow. The object of our faith and hope comes from what Jesus did, his love. Scott Stoddard wrote, if our relationship with God and others was a vehicle, love would be the fuel that allows us to get where we are going. And without it, our vehicle would be totally useless. Love is fuel. Yes, amen. It inspires us. B.J. Bigham, he is one of the leaders at Harvest Church. He wrote, love is the only thing that will last. When we get to heaven, faith and hope will be gone because what we have had faith and have hoped for has happened. And we get to walk in it. But God is love, and his kingdom is a place of true love 
Love is the only true everlasting choice out of the three. Listen to this statement. Faith is powerful and hope is wonderful, but love is greater than them both. Faith is powerful. We are saved by grace through faith, and that faith is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Can we say saving faith? The Bible declares that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but might have everlasting life. God gave his son. His son lived a perfect life, came and spoke the truth, and the human race killed him, put him to death. God the Father allowed it, even though he was perfect, he allowed him to die to demonstrate to us just how wicked the human race is to show us our need for a Savior. And in so doing, here's the beautiful miracle of salvation, in so doing, He paid the price that sin demands. He paid it. Now, you and I do not have to be punished eternally for our sins if we'll put our trust in the Son of God, if we'll admit that we need salvation, and we'll put our trust in what Jesus did for us we can be forgiven of our sins and we can receive eternal life. If you find yourself beginning to believe it, the more you hear it, that is saving faith that is not of you. It's a gift that God has given you. That saving faith beginning to arise in your heart. Just call on His name, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and make me yours. That's the beginning of the Christian walk. Can we say saving faith? Faith is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Can we say the fruit of faith? Faith is one of the gifts of the Spirit. Can we say the gift of faith? Our faith may at times be quite small, but when exercised, Jesus said faith can move mountains. Can we say mountain-moving faith? Faith is powerful. Hope is wonderful. Can we say hope is wonderful? Without hope, man, we become suicidal. You take our hope away, we just despair. Romans 5.2 says we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We hope to see him one day. Romans 8.25 reads we hope for the unseen and eagerly wait with perseverance. So, Hope enables us to be perseverant because of the hope that is in our heart. We are able to wait and endure and not be quitters and not succumb to defeat and depression. Galatians 5.5 tells us that through the Spirit, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So the Holy Spirit helps us to hope and to wait. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 speaks of the hope of salvation as a helmet. It guards our mind. Hope keeps despair at bay. 1 Timothy 1.1 calls the Lord Jesus Christ himself our hope. Jesus is our hope. We hope to see him one day. And Titus 2.13 calls the return of our Savior the blessed hope. Hope and faith. Faith is powerful. Hope is wonderful. They work together. Hebrews 11.1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is a strong word implied 
unshakable believing. Hope is a strong word implying a dream or a desire. So faith tends to be more concrete, more substantial than hope. But I tell you, without hope, there is no faith. Some have said that hope is the blueprint for faith. I tend to think that faith is like a blueprint, and hope is the dream that generates the blueprint. For years, our congregation wanted our own building. For six and a half years, we were at Country Love Theater. Before that, we were at other locations. But Country Love Theater was our home the longest. We would have to sweep up popcorn Saturday night, mop up Cokes, and clean the restrooms and make sure none of the toilets were running. That place had more toilets that would run after service. A lot of things had to be maintained in that old place. It was a couple blocks off the square on Houston Street. The local bail bondsman, Bob Smith, bought First Baptist Church's old building and turned it in to the Country Love Theater. Who remembers that building there? So then we had a dream of a building. We, we had hope for a better place, hope for a better location. But the day came when we had it on paper and we had a strategy. It became more than hope. It became faith. We began to walk it out. We had already owned this land, but we staked it out one day. And another day, we staked out where the building was going to be. And we began to walk by faith. We moved from hope into faith. So hope and faith work together. Do you see that? Love makes hope stronger. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, we said this earlier, says that love hopes all things. Romans 5, 5 says that hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hope does not disappoint. You know, some have said, don't get your hopes up. You might be disappointed. And if you live in fear of disappointment all the time, you won't enjoy the benefits of hope. Through the Holy Spirit, the love of God is revealed to us. It's poured out into our hearts who was given us by the Lord Jesus. He poured out the Holy Spirit according to Acts 2. And the Holy Spirit comes and gives us revelation of God's love for us. And when we know that God loves us, our hope has something to stand upon. And even though every specific little thing in life that we hope for may not work out like we thought, we're not going to ultimately be disappointed because we trust in the love of God. You see that? So love makes hope stronger. Love and faith are connected. There's a relationship between love and faith in the Bible. Ephesians 3.17, Paul prayed that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. Ephesians 6.23 tells us to love with faith. Sometimes the person you love or the person we're called to love, we don't trust, we don't have much faith in them. So how do you love with faith? You love people with faith in God. You love God with faith in Him, but you love people even those you don't trust. You choose to love them with faith in God that He's going to use your attempts to further His kingdom in life. 1 John 1.5 says, The purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. So love, it's based on sincere faith, and good conscience and a pure heart is the purpose of God for our lives. 2 Timothy 1.13 says, Hold fast 
the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. So we are to hold fast good words, biblical words, the scriptures, things that people tell us that we know are the truth. We're to hold fast to those words in the faith and the love that we have in Jesus. And 2 Thessalonians 1.3 tells us that our faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other. So if we don't love one another, we're not going to have much faith really. It'll be self-centered. Faith can become self-centered. Who knows that? I'm going to believe I'm going to get my needs met. I'm going to this, me, 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 me. That's self-centered faith. That's not faith that God has called us to have. And finally, Galatians 5, 6 says, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Circumcision was the sign that a Jewish man was part of the Old Testament covenant. The New Testament sign of our covenant is water baptism. How many men are glad God switched? But neither of these things avail anything without faith working through love. Faith works through love. And so you can be baptized a thousand times, but if your faith doesn't have love working in it, you just got wet. Faith is powerful and hope is wonderful, but love is greater than them both. In our text again, now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now we're coming in the home stretch of the sermon here, and I just want to pause and pray. Lord, help these words to take root. Or may we have a fresh understanding of how love is greater than faith and hope. That faith and hope are powerful and they are wonderful. But Lord, love is the greatest attribute for a Christian, for a human, for an American, for a Texan. Help us, Lord, to hold on to that and to lean on you when we need to, Lord. When our love is tested, help us to remember to not lose the greatest characteristic, Lord. Help us, Lord, to run to you when our love is weak. Help us, Father, to love like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. In our life, these three things remain. Without faith, you have no Christianity. Without hope, Christianity is doing you no good. And without love, it's all just religion. Can I get an amen? 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, Let all that you do... Be done with love. Galatians 5, 6 in the New Living Translation says, What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Galatians 5, 13 says, Through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the law is fulfilled in that commandment. You love your neighbors yourself, you won't steal from them. You sure won't kill them. Galatians 5.22 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love. Can you see that love is a priority here? Colossians 3.14 says, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In conclusion, how is love greater than faith 
and hope. Faith and hope can be self-serving. I hope Santa brings me what I want for Christmas. I believe I receive, I believe I receive that new car. Whereas love has to be focused on others. Faith and hope can be short-sighted. You may have faith and hope for something that benefits you in your lifetime, but love reaches beyond the borders of your house, your town, and even your century. You want to benefit mankind because of love. Faith and hope can be misinformed. It can be misdirected. You can put your faith in the wrong thing. You can put your hope for something that's not good for you. You're hoping for a new wife and you're sitting there by one. That's not good hope. Hope to be a better husband. That'll make a change. That told me one time, you're the thermostat. I'm the thermometer. How, do, how cold or warm do I want it in here? Love is eternal in the sense that faith and hope will be unnecessary in heaven. We saw that earlier. And love is the source of faith and hope. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. In my limited life, this is how I learned that love was greater than faith and hope. This is the first Sunday morning we worship with the congregation. You see the lady in the blue in front of the skinny preacher on the right side? Between Evan A. Reekers on the far right and Barbara, the third person from the right, with the pearls around her neck, that is Yvette's mother, Edna Elizabeth Selbin. And the Lord used her situation in life to teach me something. In 1989, Yvette's daddy passed away. She went home to the funeral and was gone for a couple of weeks. I went to the airport to pick her up, and she gets off the plane with my mother-in-law. And I thought, interesting, Mom's come to visit for a few days. And we began to notice something was wrong and that she would repeat things over and over and over again. And they were things that happened 40 and 50 years ago. Talked about how her mother used to make pies and her brothers used to drink and not be able to ride their bicycles and over and over and over again. And we realized she had what some would call Alzheimer's. She could not live on her own, so she was going to be with us, we thought, for the rest of her life. Well, I'm the man of faith. I'm the man of hope. We're going to get this sister healed. So we took her to a Reinhardt Bonke meeting. He is known to have these large gatherings where hundreds of people are healed and nothing changed she's able to enjoy church spiritually she was very much tuned in but mentally and physically she was great she could play soccer with the kids but mentally she was out to lunch we could go eat at a restaurant when it was time to leave she'd be angry because she didn't think she had eaten yet somehow she remembered us eating but didn't remember herself eating she was very dependent on us and i thought it was the rest of my life but i was the man of faith we're going to get her healed and I worked nights and Yvette worked days, and the days I had to work, sometimes I'd work during the day, she would go to work with Yvette, but the days I was at home, I'd be at home with her, keeping her from leaving the house to go walk home, you know. Her home was in Zimbabwe. No, Mom, we're in Texas. Nothing sunk in, so I just learned to endure the same stories over and over to be gracious to her. I was never ungracious to her. 
But over time, I began to lack grace towards my wife. But I'm still the man of faith. We're going to get her healed. I'd serve her communion. We go to church every time the doors are open. We're going to get mom healed, blah, blah, blah. This is of the devil, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't working. A despair began to set in. Began to whine to God. God, we're too young for this. Our children are small. This is something people go through in their 60s, you know, taking care of their aging parents. Here we are in our early 30s. And one day I was in Lawton, Oklahoma. I got to get away for a couple of days with Bill Leckie. And we visited a church called Grace, a wonderful church. One day Bill and I were praying together. And I just took my hopelessness and my lack of faith to God and began to cry out to Him and, and even took my anger to Him. You know, you can be honest with God. Took my anger to Him. And He spoke to me. I didn't know He was going to speak to me, but He spoke to me. I just These words just began to burn in my heart. I knew it was Him. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was just a knowing somewhere in my body. I just knew this. And it was a question. Do you want me to use you? Oh, yes, Lord. You know, if you can use anyone, Lord, you can use me. Do you want me to use you? Yes, I want you to use me. I'm thinking of tents and 18-wheelers and jet planes and radio programs and TV broadcasts. You know, I was parking cars for a living back then. Yes, I want God to use me. God is Jewish. He answers questions with questions. I want you to use me. Then I asked the question, what do you want me to do? And then came his question. Can I trust you to show this sick lady my unconditional love? Through all my religion, one fell swoop, the sword of the Spirit. Bam! Right to the heart of the matter. I began to weep and cry and repent for my lack of love. Went home to a vet and repented to her for my lack of love and lack of grace. And it was not easy. She lived with us for a total of two and a half years. A vet took her to visit one of her daughters in South Africa who wound up keeping her for the rest of her life. So the experience was only two and a half years long, but we didn't know it. But that really didn't matter. The point was, I, I heard the call to love someone unconditionally, not based on their response to my religion, not based on their response to my faith or my hope, just love them. And it took care of how much faith I needed to have. It took care of how much hope I needed to have. It just answered it all. There's some people here, you're facing great struggles. Your faith may be wavering. You may be wrestling with despair and hopelessness. What's going to win that battle may not be your understanding. It just may be good old-fashioned love. The love of God. Can we stand? Lord, I pray a 
especially for my brothers and sisters who are facing great trials. Lord, I think of Mark and Joy, Aaron there in the hospital. Lord, their faith is, is being tested. Their hope is enduring. But Lord, their love is such an example to us all. Lord, we pray that you would use us as a body to continue to strengthen them, encourage them, to give them the love they need to receive. Lord, I pray for other families in our church, Lord, that are going through difficult seasons. Lord, I pray that love would win every conflict in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And the prayer team, come and join me across the front. If you're here and you'd like to receive prayer for anything, maybe you want to follow Jesus, maybe you're facing sickness or you've gotten a bad diagnosis or you're, you're needing wisdom and making a decision, we would like to pray with you. Prayers of agreement is why we're here. To pray with you and agree with you in prayer. Jesus said, wherever two or three of you agree in my name concerning anything that you ask, it will be done by my Father in heaven. And so we're here to pray with you. his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may he give you such a revelation of his love for you that it's easy to show it to others. And may he give you grace to show it to those to whom it is not easy to show it to. In Jesus' name. Lord, we're amazed by you. 
Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us.